Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In booze news, Budweiser has debuted Utah-themed bottles. Utah-themed, so... They don't have any beer in them? <laughs> Bottles will feature phrases that Utah citizens like to use in place of curse words like, holy shiz, oh my heck, and frick yeah, as in, oh my heck, this frickin' beer tastes like shiz. <laughs> Come on now. No. Elitism. Yeah, and anti-Utahism. Anybody who claims Bud Light, Coors Light, whatever, tastes like S or is undrinkable, eh? whatever. Well, they grimace face down some 94% hops concoction out of their friend's closet. <laughs> yeah, what he said. I'm a Miller Lite man myself when I have the choice. I mean, home brewing was really huge for a while, and I know there are people that still do it, but there was a brief period where like everybody was doing it. Yeah, yeah, including me, and the results were fantastic. Yeah, it was all pretty good. Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't. It was fantastic. It was like fresh-baked bread. Yeah, I like my beer flavorless. I like it like a can oh. of water. Oh, old Simple Jack, everybody. My brother's home brewing right now, and the results are quite good, but I, I'm tempted well, are you to do planning it to drink fun. A, are you planning to drink two of them or 30? If you're planning to drink 30 of them, as I, I generally am, I, I, I like yeah. it to be a little watery. I see watery. your point. I see your point. I can't yeah. eat 30 loaves of bread. <laughs> no, and that's why, that's why I'm not home brewing anymore, because it will make me humongous. Uh, so you're currently, you, you and your wife are currently not drinking. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, we're taking a couple week break. At least that's the plan. Do you have any idea how many calories that adds up to? Mm. You know, I could do the math. It's it's a few hundred. It adds up though. I mean, three fairly small glasses of wine is three hundred and seventy five calories. Oh, really? I've average. never looked at that. So it'd be like eating yeah. a couple of candy bars every night. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Huh? Did yeah. not know that. No. Um. On the other hand, I stopped thinking about my problems <laughs> when you drink. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Which is the blessing and the problem. (laughs) People become less boring. The marginally attractive become more attractive. There's all kinds of upsides. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, those problems will solve themselves (laughs) until the morning. Um. This is a uh, Joe should be doing this story. I, it, it touches too raw a nerve with me because I had a situation for uh, anybody who hasn't ever heard the story, a very brief version um, for, for those of you who have joined us since it happened. Uh, a couple of years ago, a homeless dude approached my family while we're sitting outside on a patio eating at a restaurant. And I could tell by his gait as he was a beelining toward us. Uh, that he was uh, headed our way and, and going to ask for something, as often happens around there. And I wanted to cut him off before he got very close, because I don't really like homeless people close to my family. Some of you people don't care about that. I think you're nuts. But I don't like homeless people that I don't know anything about very close to my family. Uh, he started to beeline in toward us. He probably got about five paces away, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. What? I can't help you. You need to give me some money. I can't help you. And then he just started screaming, I'm going to kill you. He started waving his arms around. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to F your children. It was pretty ugly. It was pretty awful. Then he he acted like he was going to pull out a gun. 
I had to get up from the table to get him to get away, and it was just, it was awful. He got arrested. He's in prison right now, by the way, because of uh, that and a number of things he's done throughout his life just like that. But he'd been doing things like that and getting let out over and over in states all across the country. And now we've got another one. This is local, but this could be anywhere near you, where a homeless dude attacked this uh, woman's son as they're walking down the street in a beautiful, nice, uh, upscale neighborhood. And um, he had been arrested for this sort of thing before, but let out to do it again. And he attacked and punched and kicked in the face her eight-year-old little boy as they were simply walking home from getting some donuts in their neighborhood donut shop. What could be more wholesome and and wonderful than a mom and her little boy? You know, I just lost my mom, and I'm, you know, spending a lot of time thinking about, you know, the great times we had and the rest of it. And uh, to be walking home in your neighborhood and have this happen is the sort of nightmare that will change you forever. It will hurt you forever. That little boy and the mom will bear those scars forever. Even without the attack, my kids treat all public situations differently than they otherwise would have. All public situations are scary and dangerous, and everybody you don't know is a possible threat because, well, they've had the experience where somebody can walk up out of nowhere and you're immediately at a threat for your life. And, you know, I'm trying to sort through the facts of this, having just opened this news story, um, and I'm I'm struck by the way it is written. The way it is written is it, it's almost a diagnosis of the problem that we have. This, uh, this woman who wrote this story in the Sacramento Bee she can't simply tell the tale, can't tell us what happened. She keeps diverting for things like um, the, the mom uh, said his behavior was off. She describes what he was wearing, the way he looked. She was a little bit disturbed. There was something menacing about it. It's just your intuition. It made me suspicious. Then the mom made it clear she doesn't believe all homeless people are bad or capable of violence against a child. Wait a minute. Nobody suggested that. Nobody asked about that. If you're reporting on another assault, a rape, a a, a beating of a a non-homeless person, committed by a non-homeless person, would you divert and say, you know, some drunk suburban dad? Now, we need to take a moment to make clear that not all drunk suburban dads would beat a child. It's un-freaking-believable. See, I actually uh, am for going the other direction. I think if you walk down the street having had this experience and you don't assume every homeless person you're passing is a threat to your family, you're a nut. You need to keep your eye on every person you walk by and make sure they're not following you or headed toward you. If you don't, you're crazy. Because you don't know who these people are. And almost, uh, and, and most people you walk by, they're freaking high out of their head. They have almost no control over their senses. Some of these people you're walking by. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go with a no, it was just a random, one-off. Everybody's loving and peaceful and just trying to make a go of it in this evil capitalist society. You're nuts. You're you're a fool. I get you're hot about this stupid. because the first policeman I called after this happened to my family, the first policeman I talked to said, "You know, the real tragedy is that we don't have more facilities for these people to get help." Oh, is that the real tragedy? My kids crying in the car aren't the real tragedy? They thought their dad was going to die in front of them? Is not the real tragedy? The real tragedy is this guy can't get the help he deserves? What the hell is wrong with our society? So what happened in this horrific assault is that the guy is arrested, having assaulted a child, fists and feet. An innocent little child, he's arrested and released because of the COVID. Yeah. Of course. Hey, here's an idea, folks. 
if you're so crazy or so irredeemable that you commit felonies in the time of COVID, here's a heads up. You're going to end up in a jail where there's a decent chance you're going to get the COVID. Or, I, or somebody commits such an unspeakable act we could turn loose. Which of those choices would you choose? I'm asking each and every one of you. I Good know. Lord. I know. So he was arrested for a second time in the case Wednesday afternoon. And the mom is telling, uh, is telling the, the newspaper, other parents in the neighborhood need to know that this happened. This guy needs to be off the street. 53-year-old Richard Mesa Lopez, who appears to be suffering from some sort of mental illness or what have you. And, and this is not, I'm not trying to, if this guy's just completely Fruit Loops, he's, he's not responsible for his, no. his actions. No, absolutely not. But, but I don't have to like him being on the street or trust him. Well, like, beyond that, he's got to be off the street. And then they quote people, there are others who have become victims to a socioeconomic structure, like rising rental rates that have led people to homelessness. Unfriggin' believable. I, 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 I really think if you walk down a sidewalk and there is some homeless person kind of sitting, weaving back and forth on the steps, and you don't keep your eye on them as you walk by to make sure they're not following you, you are nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Turn around. Go the other way. Oh, boy. That's why business owners I know, it's so frustrating for them because you got that crowd outside of their uh, business, and a lot of people won't go in. I won't go in. with with If I got my kids with me, I'm not going in your business if you got homeless people out front because I don't know who they are or what they're going to do or what they're capable of. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's more to this story, and, and we could share it with you. But, you know, you people who believe in compassion without order, well, you're going to get chaos. You're going to get chaos, danger, ugliness, and murder. There's got to be some level of order that a society insists upon. Now, how you enforce that order with a guy like this We can talk about that. That's fine. It's an interesting conversation and a good one to have. But your uh, your idea that, well, no, we can't impose any order. We can't ask anything of these people. They have a drug addiction. They're mentally ill. So he beats down a child randomly in the middle of the street. He's mentally ill, you know. I just, I don't don't even know how to have a conversation with you. So this guy, he, he failed to show up in Sacramento Superior Court, and so they issued a bench warrant for him. They, they, they turned this guy loose and said, hey, you got to show up in court as an obviously crazy child beater. Well, I know in my case, I, I think if I weren't a minor celebrity that made a big stink out of it on the radio, I don't think the guy would have ever ended up in jail. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm asking out loud the Sacramento authorities. What are you thinking? Why did you turn this guy loose? Is it because of COVID rules? If this guy, completely nuts, randomly beats down a child, could have killed him. If that guy doesn't stay behind jail for a handful of nights till he can have a hearing, who does? Who does? What are your standards? How scary is that? And is it just so he doesn't get the COVID? Are you kidding me? What do you say to all the children and the moms and dads? Well, we can't let him get COVID. Are you freaking kidding me? God, it's outrageous. Yeah, it's something. It's something. Uh, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. I actually want to talk about these, well, a couple of science things. Robots training with armies. Monkeys uh, able to uh, manipulate computers with their brains. That technology is coming to humans soon. I mean, that that really could change a lot. Monkeys commanding robots with their brains. Who knows? Science! 
Fantastic. All it's on, on the table, right? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. All right, give me 30 seconds, then I'll shut up. Following up on the last segment, woman in Riverside, California, nice, a nice lady, I think she's 64 years old, stabbed to death by some drug addict, homeless, junkie woman. Days after she had committed assault with a deadly weapon and been released under the county's COVID protocols. Then she goes out and stabs an innocent woman to death. Now, I'll leave aside that even though race had nothing to do with it, the Washington Post brings it up like four or five times. Very strange. She happened to be an Asian lady. So to protect dangerous, violent, drug-addicted felons from the COVID, we're turning them loose on the streets to prey on whoever they want. Good policy. Nice. I'm done. Um, monkeys are going to take over the world. Well, I guess the point of this is not making monkeys smarter. It's eventually to be used for humans, but uh, the monkeys have the upper hand currently. (laughs) This is Pager. He's a nine-year-old macaque who had a Neuralink placed in each side of his brain about six weeks ago. If you look carefully, you can see that the fur on his head hasn't quite fully grown back yet. He's learned to interact with a computer for a tasty banana smoothie delivered Mm. through a straw. Wait a minute. One of the things the Neuralinks allow Pager to do is to play his favorite video game, Pong. To control his paddle on the right side of the screen, Pager simply thinks about moving his hand up or down. We've removed the joystick altogether. Now that he's up to speed, let's increase the difficulty and see how well Pager can play with the Neuralink. As you can see, Pager is amazingly good at Mind Pong. He's focused and he's playing entirely of his own volition. It's not magic. The reason Neuralink works is because it's recording and decoding electrical signals from the brain. So, we've got that video at armstrongandgetty.com. They unhook the uh, cursor that you see in the video, or they just unhook it. He still moves it with his hand, because he's a monkey. Monkeys are stupid. And doesn't realize he's got this thing in his head. But eventually he realizes, no, I don't need to do this thing with my hand. Wow. And he just puts his hand back on the banana-sucking tube, where they're feeding him bananas every time he's doing anything. And he's just moving everything around with his mind. Yeah, so step one is they had an active joystick. And they would monitor the brain activity when he moved the joystick up. And eventually they read this stuff in real time that they were able to predict the hand's movements before the hand moved. And eventually they unplugged the joystick and removed it entirely, and they were just moving it based off of brain reading. Yeah, that, that that's amazing. That's awe-inspiring. I'm thinking of the possibilities. I'm trying not to think of the, uh, you know, uh, twisted possibilities, but, uh, the, uh, you know, I get how they read the signals. It's how they turn them into moving the cursor that amazes me. It's like, you know, when I was young, I wondered how a record player works. I get that the needle has it turns the vibrations into electricity. It's just amazing to me that you can read that little code and then turn that back into music. So that's 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 awe-inspiring. So um, to me, it's it's always seemed inevitable to me that uh, they'll come up with a way for us to do these things with our minds. But, yeah. 
uh, you know, s- the simplest things, turning on and off your television, uh, moving the cursor around on the computer screen, although it's not, I don't find it that taxing to do it with my fingers. But <laughs> I, do, I think you're missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have to get this thing put in your head, at least currently. I mean, are you going to get an operation or they put something in your, uh, in your brain? I don't know. Well, now, Positive Sean brought this to our attention. I haven't really studied it, but I imagine this is uh, heading in the direction of reanimating a paralyzed limb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. That yeah. is uh, Elon's most con When he's asked about what are the use cases of this, he mentions those things first, enabling disabled people to now participate in things that they never have been able to, right? If we could have amazing coders who can't use their hands that aren't able to code. Hmm. Um, uh, for the record, did you make up the term use cases, or is that an actual term? No, that, I, I hear smart people use that all the time, so I started That's using good. it. Yeah, that's well good played. I'm going to start throwing that in at meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I never come up with smart things. I just repeat things other smart people say. I hear you, man. Yeah, please. I've yet to have you my, and everybody. <laughs> I've yet to have my first original thought. Uh, we're going to talk to Lon He Chen coming up about some of the uh, politics of the day. He's one of the best thinkers on that uh, all the way around. Indeed, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff to get to. Um, the the shrinking need need for office space and how that could crush uh, commercial property owners. Uh, it's difficult to say. There are a lot of pronouncements made in the midst of crises that end up, you know, once the dust settles, things are more or less the way they used to be. Is it a big deal to you that the president said things that are just completely wrong about uh, current gun laws? Once again, like with the Jim Crow on steroids, is he doing this on purpose or is he misinformed or what's going yeah. on there? I'd be curious to know Lonnie's uh, opinion on that because I don't know. I don't Either know way, it's really off brand for old Joe Biden. Yeah, but anyway, that's on the way. Next text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. These new Jim Crow laws are just antithetical to who we are. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Most people don't know it. You walk into a store and you buy a gun, you have a background check. But you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want and no background check. Yeah, it's just not true. Um, and they walked that back later in the day, which uh, leads to a number of questions. Anyway, thanks for well, joining us today. Yeah, and the, uh, the Jim Crow tweets are not only untrue, but they're utterly repugnant to say. Uh, let's discuss that and uh, a number of different topics with Lan He Chen. My computer is frozen, so I'm going to try to do this from memory. Lan He is the David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow in American Public Policy he's at the, the Hoover Institution. He's the proud son of David and Diane Steffi. <laughs> I don't believe that's correct. And also the <laughs> the director of domestic policy studies at Stanford University. How wow. did I do, Lonnie? You you know, you got about ninety percent of the way there and then and then you and then you said this thing about being the kid of the seconds and you fell off a cliff. That was Jack. That did, please. See what I have to deal with every day? Uh so you know, hey that first was good. That was good. <laughs> First of all, uh, thank you very much for being here. We really look forward yeah. to these chats. So uh, the the Biden quotes, whether it's the Jim Crow stuff, which, again, is repugnant and totally inaccurate, or or deciding in knee-jerk fashion to support a boycott of Atlanta, heavily black city, the stuff about the gun show, is Joe Biden 
confused? Is he misinformed? Or has he embraced really hardcore rhetoric, be it true or not? Do you have any idea? Uh, I think it is the classic example of you do what you get away with. And there is very, very little effort to hold the president accountable when he says things that are false. Now, look, the, the reality is we all know politicians have a tendency to, tr- to stretch the truth a little bit. But it, in this case, you, you guys have played just a couple of, of examples of when he is just he just says things that aren't that just flat aren't true. Um, you know, nowhere has that been more apparent than when he's talking about this Georgia elections law. You know, he keeps repeating this example that he says, look, it's, people can't even get water when they're waiting in line and it's a hot day to vote, uh, you know, which multiple establishments, uh, both left and right, have said, look, and actually that's not really true. As it turns out, if you're a poll worker, you can give someone in line water. But if you're an employee of a union, let's say, or you're a member of QAnon, you can't walk up and hand someone water when they're in line. That makes a lot of sense. We don't have electioneering. In California, we don't have it. They don't have it in New York. And now they don't have it in Georgia. So these are the kinds of things where I just think he does it because he can get away with it. You know, the, the, the renaissance with Joe Biden has not ended. And he's going to take advantage of that. And that's really what this is. Oh, just to, to, to focus on the All-Star Game thing for a bit, we were talking earlier about there are now, I mean, top to bottom, Democrats in Georgia are aghast that the All-Star Game got yanked. They're pissed off. Do you think that was just an inartful move? Or it, it seems to me he's just he's slowed down to the point he doesn't even have the ability to punt anymore. He just spews out an answer. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think there's a lot of thought necessarily given to what he's going to say before he says it. Uh, you know, the all-star game thing, look, I think that is a classic example of quick trigger reaction that we see from corporate America. I include Major League Baseball in corporate America. They feel like they were under a tremendous amount of pressure, and so they did something which, you know, in retrospect, I think they probably – I don't know that they'll regret it, but I think there's elements of it that they regret. And also, by the way, the folks in Georgia, Democrats and Republicans, they realize that when the All-Star Game goes, that means a lot of revenue for local businesses and the local economy. It means attention for Atlanta and for, for the ballpark they've got there. So, you know, the people in Georgia have reason to be upset. Is there any chance he's playing three-dimensional chess like the people are always talking about with Trump in that He's thinking, you know, if people are talking about the All-Star game, if people are talking about, uh, you know, what I'd said or didn't say about guns, but they aren't discussing this couple trillion dollar change in the way we structure yeah. society, I'm fine with that. Call me stupid on guns all day long. We'll pass the two trillion dollar completely change America into France thing and then I'll be happy. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if it's three-dimensional chess, but I do think it's clever in the sense that he recognizes he is going to get about as, as, as long of a leash from the media as any president ever has in the history of this country. And so he's going to take advantage of that. He's going to do everything he can to make sure that, you know, he tells his story and he gets his point of view out there. And if there is something that's potentially a bad story, he's going to figure out how he can distract people from it. And he has that, and he has that opportunity. Uh, and, and he takes advantage of it. So in that sense, I, I don't know about three-dimensional chess. I just think he knows what he has, and he's using the assets that he has. 
Let's uh, pivot just a little bit, although it has a great deal to do with the giant restructuring America plan. Uh, Joe Manchin with some strong statements about never yeah. ending or altering the filibuster. Uh, there are more and more noises that, well, Democrats are willing to compromise on some of the aspects of this plan. How does the Senate feel to you right now? The Senate feels to me to be completely bogged down. Uh, and I think one of the things and one of the reasons why Joe Manchin made the statement he did is because he's trying to figure out how can we make things more functional. Now, he's not some, you know, patron saint of policymaking. He's just doing this because he realizes that for West Virginia, for his home constituency, you know, he, he's elected by a relatively conservative state and he's a Democrat. And if he's going to get reelected, he needs to show that he's going to get something done. He needs to be able to bring something back to the people of West Virginia to show that he's been productive. And he cannot do that with the Senate being the way that it is now, which is completely partisan, completely uh, uh, inept and unable to really move legislation unless it's done on a party line basis. And he's saying, look, that's not good for the Senate. And frankly, it's not good for him. So I'm glad Manchin said it because he actually has some sway in terms of how these things are going to go. But look, at the end of the day, it's very difficult for me to envision the Senate getting anything done at all in a productive fashion. And, and some of that's because of the Senate. But some of that, frankly, is because Biden's made the decision. Hey, look, if, if I don't have to work with Republicans, why would I? I'll just do whatever I need to do and, and forward my agenda as I see fit. And, and that's basically the decision he's made. To some state politics, the biggest state in the country, California, going to have the first ever trans governor in Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny that a lot of Republicans have been saying, oh, gosh, you know, what would what what Republicans need to win in this recall race is like another Arnold. Uh, I'm not sure Caitlyn Jenner is another Arnold, but I, I, I think it responds to the reality that this recall race, it, 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 it's such a jump ball, guys, that I think you've got a bunch of people who think, why don't I just get in? You never know what's going to happen. And I think that's one of the things that's driving, you know, whether it's Caitlyn Jenner or anybody else who's thinking about this race. So uh, I think the first interesting moment, of course, will be when a Democrat decides to get in. That will be the moment to pay attention to. And, and that moment may never come. But if it does, that's when the race really gets interesting. I think. Well, if a Democrat gets in, they better sleep with one eye open. I mean, because the, the, <laughs> the knives are going to be out for them. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, and that's why all the Democrats so far have been, you know, very nicely nodding and saying, we support Gavin Newsom, we support Gavin Newsom. But look, the reality is they can read polls as well as anybody else can. If they see that Gavin Newsom, for some reason, begins to sink and his numbers, you know, continue to fall, then the natural political marketplace will take over and, you know, folks will decide all of a sudden they have an interest in it, I think. Mm, interesting. So uh, we'll finish up with a little fill-in-the-blank, Lonnie, with your uh, indulgence. With all due respect of the, to the tragedy and sadness of the couple of recent shooting incidents, uh, fill in, uh, finish the sentence. The current discussion about gun laws will... Uh, not lead to any significant changes anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, 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 you know, I mean, it's just there's both both sides of the argument try to posture in their own way. And it, it really prohibits us from having a, a bigger conversation about what we need to do. Well, do you, what, what do you think we need to do? What Because when, when there are shootings, I'm horrified. I wish there were less of them. Um, but then I hear people propose gun laws that I don't think they're either not constitutional or they wouldn't help. Do, do you have an idea of anything yeah. that could bring us to less of these shootings? 
Well, I, I, what I would say is, you know, I do think that there is targeted legislation, to your point, that is constitutional, that, you know, things that need to be looked at, that Congress has talked about, even President Trump talked about some of these things when he was in office. But beyond that, one thing I'll say is I do think we, we need to address the, the, some of the mental health issues that we have in this country. And we don't do nearly enough to fund mental health. We don't do nearly enough to identify situations before they get uh, to the point where people are uh, unfortunately doing things because they're, they're not in their right mind. I'm not proposing, by the way, that all of these situations are described by people not in their right mind. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, I believe there's a significant correlation between those who have mental health issues and those who are, uh, you know, unfortunately engaging in some of these kinds of crimes. And I, I do think it's important for us to take a good hard look at how we can improve and, and better address mental health issues in this country. There's no doubt. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic uh, Policy Studies at Stanford. Uh, Lon He, great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. All right, you got it. I think so, it's damn near unsolvable. Uh, yeah, I believe, uh, you know, I find myself uh, going back to, I believe it was George Washington who said that the Constitution is designed for a moral and religious people and that it will not endure if those things change. Um, the reasons I would never, could never kill a bunch of people have nothing to do with law. No, no. It's it's cultural, it's psychological, it's family, it's religion, it's, it's it, uh, cosmic. Uh, it's what's considered a possibility and what's not. I think it's a, enormously deep. I don't know. I don't know. I would like to point out that both of us too dumb to get into Stanford, but we got their head of domestic policy studies talks to us every week. So who's huh. dumb? Who's dumb now? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know. That just a thought occurred to me as I was reading his credentials. <laughs> You know, we got a lot of great emails recently. Oh, I promised I would uh, I would read the most eloquent responses to um, our segment where we were talking about schools are refusing to assess students to figure out how much uh, learning they've lost, to figure out where they are right now as the pandemic winds down. They won't do it partly because, well, only partly, but partly because parents don't want to hear it. Don't you tell me Johnny's half a year behind in math. How dare you? What does that say about our national character? we got a handful of responses. can share them with you. Cool. All right, uh, and we got some good texts about that, too, and uh, some other things I want to get to. I heard a conversation about China, military conversation I found really troubling. I want to pass along to you uh, at some point in the show. Yeah, just let me hit this real quick. You still have a chance to get in under the uh, under the uh, finish line, at the finish line, before the finish line. What? You can jump in. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we talked about this earlier uh, story in the New York Times, and it, it means a lot to me because I got uh, school-aged children. Um, does it hurt children to measure pandemic learning loss is the headline. And then underneath it says, research shows many young children have fallen behind in reading and math. We've all heard that. And if you have kids in school, if you're a teacher, you know this is uh, indisputably true. 
Uh, but some educators are worried about stigmatizing an entire generation. Really? That's, wow. that's your worry? And they quote one mom who, after the school uh, the, came to her and told mom that her kid was behind this far and this and this far and that, she said, this is very offensive to me, she told the New York Times. I'm not putting in myself my hard work, his hard work for you to tell me that he's still at second grade reading. Wow, that's an idiot right there. So that poor kid, can we can I raise him? I, I got some free time. So the New York Times spends a lot of time talking about whether or not you should test kids and how a bunch of school districts aren't testing kids on purpose because parents would be offended. But toward the end of the article, they get to this debates about the extent of missed learning are more than academic. If remote school is actively harming children's development, it becomes harder for teachers unions and school boards or administrators to argue that schools should remain shuttered. I had to completely Ah. miss that part of it. They got down to that, did they? Well, Jack, the good folks of the Armstrong and Giddy audience have responded. We challenge you to come up with an appraisal of what this all means about the American psyche. And I was thinking about the the people who argue, no, it would stigmatize the kids. But a lot of people saw through that. Greg, the teachers' unions don't want proof of their crime holding students hostage. We should test all kids to assess the problem. The results don't have to be revealed for each uh, of our kids. Well, I, I would suggest that anybody who can't handle the truth about their kid or themselves is, is a fool. But uh, our kids' private school went to distance learning last March like everywhere else, but started back in full time uh, in August. They put a few of the incoming fourth graders who hadn't done the distance learning in with the third grade class. Uh, they figured out what the kids needed, and the kids are catching up. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mark, it appears to me California, its leaders, and school unions have no interest in educating the children. Far too easy to corrupt and manipulate illiterate people. That's interesting. Uh, Mike writes, COVID kids are just as smart as white kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's really well done. Um, my wife works in a school district that is testing. Here's one dilemma. Some kids are testing high enough to skip a grade, some testing to move up one grade, some testing to stay in the same grade. So next year, a fifth grade class could have kids from three different age groups in one class. Good luck to that teacher. Oh, yeah, what a mess. I'm wondering if the New York Times didn't get spun by somebody to craft this story at all. The whole point of these various movements against testing is they don't want the word to get out. There have been independent tests, but, I mean, if every school in America really buckles down and tests kids to figure out where they are, well, then the whole nation will be talking about how far behind kids fell right? with remote learning. And they don't want that. And, Rich, we appreciated the note, but I remember when I was in school, you can, you can have something called math club or whatever, yeah. or reading club for the kids who are a little behind. It's, it's, not, it's not reinventing the wheel. Uh, let's see, Michael, I'm thinking it's the teachers' unions and school districts that want this to be kept quiet. Boy, did we get a lot of answers like that. I think it's about lawsuits. If everybody gets tested, certain schools in the whole will show better outcomes. Those schools with terrible scores will be questioned about how terribly they responded. I can't believe I didn't pick up on that's obviously what this is all about. It's not the, well, children would be stigmatized and parents would be upset if we told them their kids were behind. No, you just don't want to be caught. Uh, doing a horrible job of, of teaching kids. Not your fault. It's You can't teach kids through Zoom, it turns out, uh, second graders, and keep them up to speed. You just right. can't. It's not your fault. 
But it is your fault that you were closed because you shouldn't have been closed. New York Post went with a big headline today. Open the schools. Big giant letters. Selfish unions and feckless leaders have tortured our kids for too long. Tortured is wow. a strong word. Teachers are vaxxed. The science is clear. Enough is enough. Yeah, well, that's true all across the country. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, and this will be completely ignored, Randy Weingarten, who's the uh, president of the American Federation of Teachers, I believe she's uh, uh, headquartered in L.A., um, they were uh, they were review they were uh, interviewing her in the Jerusalem Post, which um, asks about a couple of issues to do with uh, Judaism and and Jewish schools and that sort of thing. Um, and she, they ask her. I think some people are very skeptical of the power that they perceive teachers unions to have. They look at, for example, the ongoing struggles in Los Angeles, where they see this big dollar figure of aid being given for school reopenings, and are baffled by the perceived resistance of teachers going back to work. And Randy Weingarten replies, I have a very pointed response here for Jews making this argument. American Jews are now part of the ownership class. Jews were immigrants, and they needed the right to have public education, and they needed power to have enough income and wealth for the families that they could put their kids through college, etc., etc. So Jews went from the working class to the ownership class. When I hear that question, is those who are in the ownership class now want to take that ladder of opportunity away from those who do not have it. Randy Weingarten is claiming the Jews are trying to keep minority kids from getting an education by opening schools. Wow. Come for the anti-Semitism, stay for the bizarre illogic, and nobody is calling her on it. Other headlines we need to get to. I gave birth to a toddler. Mom has whopping 14-pound baby. (laughs) <laughs> that is whopping. 14 pounds. Matt Gates is in big trouble. We all knew that, but it's getting kind of entertaining. Uh, a bunch of stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> 